1: I can't guarantee any of you in here this morning that you'll see tomorrow. I can't. For all I know, this morning, this could be your one last chance to get right with God. This could be your last moment, that moment when the Lord is speaking to you, saying you have not been living a faithful life for me. And maybe at one point in time or another, you stood up when the preacher called you know, for the altar. If you want to come forward and receive Christ, maybe you walk down, but you never lived a life of faithfulness to the Lord. You continued to live in your sin. You continued to follow after your idols. You continue to worship at their altars. And the Lord would say to you this morning, here's another chance. This may be your last chance to put those things, change your lifestyle. The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word repent means to turn from your wickedness and to turn to the living God. This is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 18. It says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn so that you might live. Turn from your wickedness so that I can give you life. Again, what are the wages of adultery? Leviticus says the wages of that adultery is death. Turn from that lifestyle so that you can find life, the Lord would say. Now, Hosea says this about his wife. He says, tell her to turn. Tell her to turn lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born. In those days when a child was born, they would bring the baby and they would present the baby to the entire town, to the entire village. And they would hold the baby up as a proof, as in an evidence of the fact that they were healthy and to basically pronounce the sex of the child. This is my daughter. This is my son. This was the first gender reveal party, right? This is the way they would do this. No balloons, no cannons. Just here, this is my daughter. This is my son. And they're introducing the child to the village. Here, Hosea says, she needs to turn from her life lest I present her naked in that same way. See, one of the charges or when the charges were proven... For a woman caught in the act of adultery, she would be brought before the village or before the town. She would be stripped naked in in shame and in humiliation and to expose that sin before she was stoned to death. Here, Hosea is saying, I don't want her to be stoned. I don't want her to be stripped. I don't want her to be shamed or humiliated. Why would he say that? Why would the Lord say that to you? Do you know why? Because Jesus was stripped for you. Because Jesus was humiliated when he was spit upon for you. Because Jesus was stoned upon the cross of Calvary for you. So you wouldn't have to experience that shame, that humiliation, that exposure. We get so good, don't we, at hiding our our sin, hiding what's really going on in our hearts. You realize you cannot hide your sin from the Lord this morning. I don't care... How far you wander from God, he sees you in that place. He sees you in that dark closet when you do that sin, which you think you're doing all on your own. He sees it. He knows it. You cannot hide from him. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter four that no creature is hidden from his sight, that all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees you naked and exposed and vulnerable. This is what the scripture says, Luke chapter 12, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed, nothing hidden that will not be made known. That should terrify us this morning. But here's the beautiful fact, is that in the eyes of the Lord, we're already stripped down to nothing. We're already exposed. And yet he chooses us anyways. The book of Ephesians says that he chose you before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy. He chose you before the worlds were framed, before your first sin. He had already chosen you, called you his own. We cannot hide from the Lord, lest I strip her down and make her naked As in the day she was born, I don't want this for her. Tell her, tell your mother, please plead with her to turn from her lifestyle so she doesn't have to endure this humiliation and this shame and this heartache and this exposure. I want so much more than that for her. Look at what Hosea says. He says, I don't want to strip her naked in the day she was born. I don't want her to be made like a wilderness, to become unfruitful, to become sterile. It's ironic that this woman who sold her body for sex would now become infertile and unfruitful and sterile. She cannot bear children. I don't want this to happen for her. I don't want her to become like a parched land and to kill her with thirst. Upon her children, I will have no mercy because they were born or they were children born of Now, this doesn't mean that the children, just because their mother bore them out of prostitution, that the Lord would not have favor upon them. The fact is that these children were following after their mother's footsteps. I wonder how much of the sin that has been brought into your homes, parents, is of your own accord. Because your children have only learned to follow after you. And if you want your children to live a holy, righteous life, guess who's going to have to live a holy and righteous life first? It's going to be you. So Hosea says, I can't favor the children because the children have actually followed after their mother. And they've given themselves to prostitution and to idolatry and to adultery and to following after these false gods. They also have played the whore. So look at this verse 5. For their mother has played the whore or gone after false gods. If you're looking at the children of Israel... She who conceived them has acted shamefully for she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. I'm gonna go after these false gods because when I worship at these false gods altars, then my life is blessed. Then I have all of the food that I need. I have my bread and my water. I have my wool. I have my clothing, my flax. I have my oil, my drink, my pleasure. I find these things when I go to the false altars of the Baals. And understand, Baal in these days was the god of fertility. He was the god of rain. And so they would worship at these altars or at these temples of Baal with terrible, detestable things. They would use sex as a part of their worship. And as they would engage in these these sexual practices with temple prostitutes, they believed that the God of fertility was looking down, watching these things. And if he found pleasure, then he would pour out his rain, which would bring the land's fruitfulness, which would bring the land's blessings, which would bring pleasure into their lives. And so here, Gomer's thinking that I'm so blessed in my life because I'm worshiping Baal in this way. Hosea says, how can this possibly be? She's got this twisted in her head and now he's going to shine a light on the consequences of her sin. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. The consequences of her sin. So here's the charge of your sin. You've been unfaithful, but now here comes the consequences of sin. First, look at this. Verse six, therefore I will hedge her way up with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her past. I will hedge her up. And Job chapter one, you can read this later. In Job chapter one, Satan says to God that there's no way I can touch Job because you've set a hedge around him to protect him. Here, the consequences of not only Gomer's sin, the consequences of the sins of the people of Israel, the consequences for your sin in your life today is that God will put a hedge in your way. Now, what is a hedge? What's the purpose of a hedge? A shepherd during those days would find hedges or would actually grow hedges that would keep his sheep safe. And so at the end of the day, he would bring his sheepfold into a place that was encircled by hedges. And the hedge's purpose was to keep predators out of the sheepfold, but also to keep the sheep inside the safety and the confines of the sheepfold so that the sheep didn't try to go out. Here, the consequences of sin, God's word says that when you're in sin, I'm gonna set a hedge to frustrate your way. Why? Because I'm trying to protect you from the predators from without, but I'm also trying to keep you from running after things you shouldn't be running after. And I guarantee you this morning, there are some of you here that are suffering in your sin and you're frustrated with God because you're trying to climb over those hedges. And your body, spiritually speaking, is scarred and is stripped down and your clothing is tattered and you have scrapes and wounds that are festering and even some scarring over. Why? Because you're constantly trying to climb the hedge that God has put there to protect you. To keep you from following after those false lovers, those false gods, those idolatrous ways. God sets a hedge. We need to learn as children of the good shepherd. You know, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, John chapter 10. We need to learn as people who are following the good shepherd that those hedges are there for my protection. We need to trust God and his hedges. Not only that, but if there's someone in your life that you know is wandering from the safety of the sheepfold, that they're backslidden, they're back in their sin, they're back dabbling in the old life, you need to begin to pray that God would plant a hedge to frustrate them and bring them back into the sheepfold, right? That hedge is there. This is a consequence. Look, I see you're in sin. I'm gonna plant a hedge there. That hedge will frustrate you. It's going to scrape you. It's going to wound you when you try to get too far away from what God wants for you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been trying to climb that hedge. Well, the Lord would have you know that there's still opportunity and hope for you to come back into the sheepfold and allow him to bandage your wounds to clean out those scrapes and those cuts, that you can be mended and made whole, that there is hope for you. Though you've been wandering, it's just, it doesn't matter how many steps you've wandered away from the presence of God's sheepfold, and his safety, it's just one step back into his presence. One step. Says the consequences of this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a hedge. I will hedge her way up with thorns. I will build a wall against her that she cannot find her past. Verse 7. She will pursue her lovers and not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. She's gonna try to find those lovers. She's gonna to try to make her way there, but she won't overtake them. She won't catch up to them. And what the prostitutes would do during those days is they'd have their faces all painted up and their jewelry all there and they'd be provocatively dressed. And when someone would walk, a man would walk through town, she would come alongside of them and talk with them and offer herself up to them. And so what here the scripture's saying is she's gonna to try to catch up to those men, but she won't get there because God put a hedge in the way. Because God is protecting her. And now you have to understand, from Gomer's perspective, from the wife's perspective, she's frustrated and she's angry and she's confused and she doesn't understand why are not things working out for me. And all the while, God—it's God's doing. He's in the heavenlies, placing hedges, guiding and protecting her from ruinous idolatry. I will hedge her way; she cannot pursue her lovers. Look at this last part of verse seven. She will then say, I will go return to my first husband for it was better for me then than it is now. Why does she return to her first husband? She doesn't return out of love or out of devotion. She returns out of convenience. She says, I can't provide for myself anymore, so I'm gonna go back where I remember where I was provided for. I'm gonna go back to that place. How frustrating that would be. You understand this morning, don't you, that your obligation to worship God is no substitution for devotion when you worship God? If you're waking up in the morning and you feel obligated to read your word and you feel obligated to pray for 15 minutes out of the day and you feel like I have to do these things, that doesn't honor and please the Lord. He's looking for someone who out of the abundance of their heart, the devotion from what they feel towards him, want to be in his presence, want to read his word, want to pray. So she might be back in Hosea's home. She might be back under Hosea's roof, but Hosea understands that I don't have her heart. And many of you are playing church just like that this morning. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 15 that there are many who, they worship the Lord and they say all the right prayers, but their hearts are far from me. Is that you this morning? Going through the motions? playing church, trying to please the Lord, but at the same time trying to please your flesh? Hosea says this in verse eight. He says, she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain and the wine and the oil. It was me who lavished her with silver and with gold, which she just turned and she used for Baal. It was me. I was the one who provided these things. Write this down just for the sake of time. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 17. Read how the Lord says to the children of Israel, if you're faithful to me, you're going to have rain and you're gonna have fertile ground and you're gonna have produce and you're gonna have blessings and your life will be safe and you will have shalom and peace. But how he also says, be careful that you don't let the world lead you astray because the moment the world leads you astray, you will lose all of those things. See, when I was young and I lived under my parents' roof, I had to abide by their rules, didn't I? Anyone ever have their parents say this? If you don't like the rules, then you don't have to live here. You ever heard that said before, right? Right? In the same sense, if you want to be in the Lord's presence, if you want to be in the Lord's room, guess what? You got to abide by the Lord's rules. And when you abide by the Lord's rules, then you receive all of the blessings of his presence. You receive fertile ground. You receive rain in its season. You receive the produce that comes in. You receive blessings and peace and shalom in your relationships. Why? Because you're abiding in the parents' home. You're abiding in the father's house and you're abiding by his rules. But the moment you remove yourself from that roof, you lose the blessings. Look at what the Lord says. Look at what Hosea says here. He says, didn't know that it was me. I was the one lavishing her silver and gold, which she used or they used for Baal. Verse nine, therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. I will take away my wool and my flax, which were there to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of all of her lovers and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all of her mirth her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all of her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees of which she said, these are my wages, which my lovers have given to me. And I will make them a forest and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with ring and with jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. She forgot me she left the home, she left my covering, and now she's going to experience the consequences of that. See, sometimes we get in our heads that the Lord is just up in heaven on his throne waiting for us to make a mistake so he can throw lightning bolts from heaven and teach us a lesson, right? And that's really not what is being said here. Although the Lord should have permission to punish us any way he sees fit for sin, right? But here's what God is doing. God is declaring to the children of Israel, God is declaring to you, just as Hosea was declaring to Gomer, that these are the consequences when you remove yourself from the covering. You're gonna lose all of those blessings. Those vines will turn to forests and the beasts of the field will overtake it. Right? He's declaring the eventual consequences of sin. Let me put it to you like this. How many of you like fish tacos? Any fish taco people here? All right. How many of you like Marlin's fish tacos? Now, I went to Marlin's the first week they were opened, all right? And I went up and they had some salsa, some orange salsa, looked really good. Now, those of you who've been there know what I'm talking about. So I took that thing and I, I, I like hot sauce. I, I might be a gringo, but I like hot sauce. And I took that spoon and I think I had three tacos and I just drenched those tacos in that hot sauce. And I went back and I sat down and I ate and I don't think I've ever sweated so much in my entire life. As a matter of fact, I couldn't finish the meal. I said, Sarah, we got to go home now. This is not a good thing, right? Now, that's bad enough. But I go back the second time. The second time I go back, and now all of a sudden, they have a sign in front of that hot sauce. They didn't have the sign the first time, but the second time, they had a sign that says, warning, extremely hot. And I'm thinking, where was that sign the first time? But in my stupidity, I pick up the spoon, and I pour the hot sauce on my tacos. And I go and I sit down, and you know what Sarah says? She says, are you sure you should eat that sauce? Don't you remember what happened last time? Now, is she causing pain in my body? No, she's just declaring to me what's going to happen because of my terrible choices. This is what God is doing. He's saying, listen, Gomer, I don't want to punish you. I don't want to remove my blessings. I don't want the rain to cease. I don't want fruitfulness to escape your lands. But this is what's going to happen when you remove yourself from the covering of the Lord. You're going to be uncovered. Those blessings will be removed. This is the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. And if you continue living a life of sin, you will only find death at your door. God isn't sending a lightning bolt down. He's just declaring what he knows to be true. And in your lives, you need to hear that this morning. You need to stop eating the hot sauce. Some of you kind of back away. You haven't learned your lesson. And there's a warning sign posted right there. Warning, don't do this. And what do you do? Over and over and over and over again. You've got no one to blame but yourself. And so the Lord would say, these blessings will be removed because you haven't been obedient. You're not living by my rules under my roof, right? God wants you to live under the roof, but he says, if you're not going to obey the rules under my roof, you've got to leave. And when you leave, you no longer have my protection. You no longer have my covering. You're on your own. Some of you are living your life on your own this morning, and that is frightening. That is frightening. You've lost the covering. You've lost the Lord's protection. We know the story well in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, this son who comes to his father and says, Dad, you know, I'm tired of living under your roof and living by your rules, and you've always got some sort of job for me. Why don't you just give me my inheritance now? And so this breaks the father's heart, but he agrees, and he gives his son his half of the inheritance, and he goes off into a far country, the word says, a far country. And there he wastes his inheritance on terrible lifestyles, on terrible living, on partying, on drunkenness, on women, on false idols and false worship. And then he gets so desperate that he sells himself as a servant to a pig farmer. And he finds himself wallowing in the mud with the pigs, longing to eat what the pigs are eating, the scraps that the pigs are eating, because that's how low his sin has brought him. But then in a moment of clarity, a light bulb goes off in his head and he remembers how good even his father's servants have it. And he says, you know what? Why am I living like these pigs? When in my father's house, even his servants are treated better than I'm being treated right now. I don't deserve to be called a son in my father's home anymore, but I'm going to go back and I'm just going to beg that he brings me back inside the home, back under the covering, back under the roof, back under the authority, back under the rules, and I'll live as his slave because then at least I know I'm cared for and I'm protected And so he gets up out of the mud and he makes his way back. And the father sees his son approaching and runs to the son and embraces the son and kisses the son and puts the family signet ring back on his finger, puts the shoes, the sandals back on his feet and cloaks him in his robe, the family robe, and says to his servants, my son who was lost has found his way back. This is the father's heart for you. It doesn't matter if you haven't been living under that covering yesterday, the day before, last week, last month, last year. You can come back into the Father's house today and you can be covered once more. He's just waiting for you. This is God's heart. So we see this unfaithful wife. We see the charges of sin brought against her. We see the consequences of sin. The consequences being that she loses the blessing. She loses the favor. She loses that covering. She's exposed, naked, shamed, humiliated in front of all. But now we're gonna see the story of the faithful and forgiving husband This is the Lord. This is Hosea, but this is the Lord towards Israel and this is the Lord towards you today. Look at what it says in verse 14. Therefore, now this is what God will do. In light of this, even though she's walked away, even though her life is a wreck, even though she's ruined everything, she's broken the covenant, she's broken her promise. Even so, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of a corridor of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Everything will go back to the way it was, God says.